You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Hello again and welcome to you. Today on Faith and Fostering, guest hosts Ellen Mary Dickens from Fostering Hope in Tasmania have provided this interview. Let's hear now from Ellen Mary. Welcome to this edition of the Faith and Fostering podcast uh, with Alan Mary Dickens from Fostering Hope. The podcast is an exciting opportunity to meet some amazing people. It really is a privilege to just share a little bit of the journey with some of these folk and none more inspiring and amazing than the lady sitting in front of me this morning, uh, Mrs. Uh, sorry, Mrs. Sorry, Stephen. Roseanne Hurd. How are you, Roseanne? I'm great. Thank you, Al. Great to be here with you today, Mary and Al. Yes, welcome to you, Mary. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, Roseanne, it really is exciting to have you along. Thank you for being a part of this. Um, you have been an inspiration to us for many years and to so many others. You have about a thousand girls in your. <laughs> is that right? Is, have I got the number right? Well, we yes, we have five <laughs> kids in our household, and we have three adult children um, who are married with six grandchildren. And so at home, we have um, a biological 13 and 10 year old who are amazing to share their lives with three beautiful children who needed a safe home and they're aged 10, nine and four. 10, nine and four, Mm. wow. So how long have your children been out of home? Um, the older ones. Yeah. Um, we got down to one daughter married. Yes. Before we started our fostering journey. Okay. So we started with um, a daughter in uni, um, a daughter in college with also a lovely young lady that came and stayed with us. Mm. That was not a formal foster care arrangement, just but just an agreement with her parents and that was beautiful to have her stay with us and so um our biological children would have been five and two and a half in our first placement and those children are still with us today so eight years eight years on here we are yeah wow yeah and we often talk we're a family of five boys and um Roseanne and Stephen have done the opposite they've only had girls Mm. and lots and lots of girls we should get together And so what, like, all those years ago Mm. inspired the journey into fostering for Mm. you? Sure. It it was, it had to be the right house. It had to be the right time for our marriage. It had to be the right time for our children. But why fostering at all? Oh, it was something that we'd always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I think from having people in our lives early on who were either you know, giving to overseas aid and specifically children. Um, like I remember growing up in Sunday school with some missionaries from our church who were in India and they, mm. you know, we sponsored a little girl and that and that was profound to me as a, as a young child. And then um, there were people in our lives that were fostering um, children with disabilities or they were fostering very troubled little souls and that had a big impact on us and so when my husband and I you know met and we fell in love we were talking about our future I was 16 he was 18 and we talked about having our own children and also adopting Um, we didn't realize how hard it was to adopt Mm. so fostering was a really good option for us 
some pretty big conversations at 16 and 18. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. And that's just what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a part of us. And I suppose if you've got a dream or an aspiration, mm. you know, life's pretty short. you just got to make it happen. Mm. you just got to take steps towards it. So when all the ducks lined up, we went for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that yeah, it, it is so encouraging to hear your story right from the beginning. That fostering wanting to be part of it mm. and part of your journey. Mm. And how have you found it as a whole? The kids are amazing. Yeah, the system's a little bit tricky to navigate. <laughs> sure. And so there's um, you do need support. Yeah. You do need to find a friend. Yes. And you do need um, support around what is this system? I mm. don't understand it. I've never. I've never had special needs before. I need to learn how to navigate this system of special needs. Mm. I need to know what supports I need in place because I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. So mm. I need to um, get get clever really yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could explore your story for a long, long time, and hopefully, we can get you back in here to maybe talk even more sure. about the just the specifics of of I guess the everyday and what that's looked like for you, the challenges, mm. the the wins, etc. But today. We're going to be, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the aspect of fostering that, again, you don't necessarily see in the brochure up front where, um, you know, everybody thinks about the needs of the child and what that looks like for you and your family without recognising that it isn't just like the child, the foster child coming into your house, but but all of a sudden there's a sense that you're parenting in a, in a fishbowl or, or, you know, you've got all these other people who are starting to come into your sphere of life and um, how... How does that look for you? Like, what are the other people, I guess, outside of just the children that have become just a natural part of your your life? Sure. Well, you know, there's the inevitable visit from child safety. And mm. so, you know, the house gets cleaned before they come. <laughs> <laughs> and then the visit from um, our agency. So yep. another house clean. That's two a month. Yep. We're doing yep. well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you've got the cleaning lady who I need. Yeah. Um, to make the house function. So that's another person Perfect. that comes into our life. Um, she's there today. Nice. She's fantastic. Yeah. And um, there's, there's quite a few people that enter your home. And at times <clears throat> I have sat back and reflected on the day and went, do you know, it's probably not such a good thing that I feel my friends are speech therapists and occupational yeah. therapists and physical therapists. I do have friends, <laughs> but I might not get to them, you know, yeah. when I need to. So that has to be an intentional choice. Mm. And that brings me to a point of planning. Yeah. Um, it's very important to plan. Now, I don't naturally do this. It's not my natural bent to be organised. Mm. But having had help from a psychologist who sat me down and said, look, you know, I think you need to do a planning session because you've got a busy family with special needs. Mm. You need to do a planning session once a week. So then that eliminates a few arguments like you never told me that was happening. Um, Or it helps the children who need routine. It helps the children who are on the spectrum Mm. know what's coming up. So it's a visual calendar. And um, in that planning session, there has to be dates made for Stephen and I. Mm. There has to be time set aside for each child, for each parent. 
And th- that can take up a fair bit of room on a whiteboard when you're talking about five Absolutely. kids. <laughs> and then yeah. there's the time where Stephen needs time to himself, Roseanne needs time to herself. Yeah. And um, then, you know, obviously time for my my adult siblings, um, sorry, my adult children, yeah. sorry, and mm. my grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I don't see friends very often because it's had to be prioritised that family mm. is the priority. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's a beautiful thing. I get to do life with my family. Yeah. 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 And, you, and you mentioned this, but the special needs there. So um, that's also then, as you said, a whole lot of other adults. Mm. Um, and I think we could probably say all children in care have suffered trauma yeah. and broken attachments, yeah. and that's going to need healing. And, um, you know, we often talk about the fostering journey of people because uh, children just need love and these children need love, but they also need some extra support around them um, to heal from what's happened in their lives. Um, so your children also have then additional needs as well. So there's, I know we're trying to navigate the NDIS and it's not easy, um, but you've got an NDIS worker and then whatever supports around your little ones. Do you want to mm. talk a little bit about that? Yes. It gets easier each year and the more informed you get and the more you hop into chat groups about, you know, what do you do with this and what do you do with that? And oh, so you're broadening your social circle all the time. <laughs> On the internet. Right. <laughs> That's what we encourage our kids to do, yeah. Just chat with strangers on the internet. Exactly, great. <laughs> exactly. But it's really great to... Um, hop into that group that is specific to your child. So if it's an autism group, hop in there and find out, you know, what what you can do to make your day run smooth and bring some joy mm. and bring um, lots of routine and, mm. and, and sensory play and things like that. Hop into a group if your child has a syndrome and find out the specifics of that syndrome. Um, really inform yourself make um, so you can make educated decisions because the child safety officer won't know that syndrome yeah. your support worker won't know the syndrome often your speech therapist and you know if it's a rare syndrome they're not going to know about mm. it which is in our case yeah mm. so the support that we have to function as a family is people in our house almost every day yep um, supporting um, a child with their independence, with their self-care, with their eating, with their drinking. And that is pretty full on, mm. having someone in your house, you know, when you just woke up in the morning yeah. and everyone's, you know, climbing out of bed and you've got a support worker there. <laughs> and it's it's quite an invasive thing. So that wouldn't be everybody's story mm. and that would be more of a rarity but it's something that you might need to look at if your child has disability and will need support, um, you know, going to the shop yes. or taking a friend out for a milkshake or catching a bus. If they're not going to be able to live independently and they're going to need support socially, you're going to have to get used to the fact that they're going to have a support worker in their life, mm. helping yeah. them, giving uh, them independence, accessing the community. Yeah. And what we've found with with journeying this fostering journey with other people is often you need those support workers so that all the children in the house can function so it might not be an NDIS support worker but it might be needing a babysitter or a friend or someone for church to just come and hang out with one child so the other children can still participate in their activities and so um it's it's being 
I guess willing to accept you're going to have to have other people in your journey when you're taking on children with high needs and mm-hmm. and um, it's not it, accepting help I think for my, a lot of carers that's tricky because we go into it as we said at right at the beginning I said go into it for the child and we want to change that child's life and but to do that and to manage the life of everyone in the home the whole family that's going to need to bring in some extra people mm. that's absolutely right uh, it does sound incredibly invasive like <laughs> Prior to the first coffee in the morning, I may not be somebody that you know you necessarily want to be around. Um, and having somebody, I guess, rocking up at your doorstep, you know, being part of your family, like that's an amazing insight into what that looks like for you. So respite is something I guess that a lot of people understand even as they enter into fostering themselves. It's a great place to even get a feel for whether it's something that you can be engaged and involved in. What does that look like for you where you actually get a break from that? Because obviously that is a pretty intense life to be living. You need a break. Um, what, what does, you know, when we talk about respite, that's obviously other people also being part of the kid's journey as well, part of your journey. How does that look for you? How does that work? Absolutely. And I, I don't think any family would be identical. Everyone's got their own mm. way of doing things and you really have to be cemented in flexibility. <laughs> cemented in flexibility? Yes. It's not an oxymoron at all. No, no. Yes. I think it was Hector Puke taught me that at YWAM and I think someone had taught him that. Cemented and, in flexibility. And I think with the fostering journey, mm. you need to be flexed in cemented in flexibility because Mm. you need to have that stretch and that capacity to just go with what's going on sometimes you need to you know stick up for your family's Mm. um identity your values and sometimes you need to sack people if Mm. it's not a good fit Mm. you need to find a good fit for your family and is that why steven's not here today (laughs) 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 sorry steven <laughs> so it's really important to um, be able to sit back and say, okay, those respite carers are such a blessing mm. to us, giving us a break. Mm. They won't do things exactly the way that we will, and that's mm. okay. Yeah. And to just let go. I'm a bit of a control freak, so I, I just have to personally choose to let go mm. and just be really grateful for the time that I can have with my younger biological children mm. whilst the, the, the kids are in respite. Yeah. yeah. It is tricky. When we started our journey, I guess there was that notion, oh, we don't need respite, we're taking mm. them in as part of our family. Mm. But what I've, I guess, matured in thought mm. is that it's actually, for the kids, it's, it's bringing more caring adults into their life yeah. as well. It's like Mary said before, it's actually giving our other children a little bit more space and opportunity for time. And, um, and But again, it, it's broadening the tent even further, isn't it? You're bringing other people into your um, life. We, we haven't touched on your relationship with any of the birth families, mm. for instance, which mm. is naturally still a bit of a, well, it's a part of the journey. What, what does that look like for mm. you across, you know, your fostering journey? Sure. I think at the beginning I was like, you know, really ill-informed and really uneducated about fostering and I was really quite angry. You know, how could they let this happen to their yeah. child if they love them? Yeah. I just didn't understand. Mm. Mm. And so getting informed about generational poverty, doing some training courses that inform you about what life looks like, um, just having your ears and your eyes open to how people live and 
um, because of the choices of their parents. You know, they live in this fairly small world mm. um, and, you know, it's it's great to be able to have that understanding and that acknowledgement of where they're at and accept where they're at and respect where they're at. And I think they're doing really well, a lot of them, to be functioning mm. and to be alive and to be do, doing well. Yeah. And uh, the relationships have definitely grown. There's been a really big shift. Your relationship with the... With the birth parents, yeah, yep. yeah definitely, yep. definitely. And just to be more friendly, more relaxed, I think I was pretty uptight at first. What's the context of which you have relationship though, resent? Do you, sure. How often do you see them? What does sure. it look like? Is there a support worker? Like, how does that all work for you? Um, it has changed over time, and I found it quite difficult when I dropped the children off to child safety. They were supervised, and then I picked them up an hour later. I found mm. that quite difficult because it's very difficult to build relationship mm. in a pickup and a drop off. And as was that your choice to even meet with them at that point or, we, or was it a requirement to meet them? That yeah, that was a requirement okay. of child safety. So I didn't have any say in that. Yeah. Over time, I did have a say in one of the children's lives and I said, look, you know, this is really clunky. It's a bit awkward. Mm. This has been going on a long time now. Can I, um, is there an opportunity for me to come in? And, and meet the parent, form a relationship, so that I, when I'm speaking about them with um, the foster child, that it's just more natural mm-hmm. and I know more about them. And, yeah. and I think for the children, that also, they see all the adults in their life yeah, at least it. getting along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know? yes. And, you know, you think about that when, when parents separate, they always say what's best is that mm-hmm. the two adults can get along. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, yeah, definitely for, for our kids, for, for us to be able to speak and then mm-hmm. positively about their birth families and them to see us just get along. Um, I think, well, I hope it, it goes a long way in showing them that we all ca- we all care for that child. Mm. Um, That's very true. Um, I still find some things really hard yeah. and I find it difficult when they're given a certain amount of time and they pack up early and want to go early. Mm. And then I just have to remind myself that they're doing the absolute best they can and to not lay a judgment on them, but just to go, well, you know, they've done well. They've turned up. Fantastic. Because it's heartbreaking when they don't turn up Mm. and then having to explain to the child, you know, all the possibilities of, you know, what they might not have had the petrol money. Mm. They might not have had the bus fare money. There's obstacles to them turning up. So it's a celebration when they turn up yeah and it's a celebration when it, it when you can just see them enjoying each other's company yeah yeah, yeah. that's an amazing perspective you keep Rosanne it's, it's brilliant and and I imagine that's really helped you in just building your heart towards those families because I was like you like at the start um angry almost at these children being born with so many challenges and obstacles but yeah, understanding more of the yeah, it is a generational thing mm-hmm. so often. Um, we all, you know, then build relationships with school parents, with teachers. Um, but obviously, when your child is slightly outside of the the norm, the easy drop off pickup, what's that look like for you? <laughs> Wow, Stephen should have come to me. <laughs> yes. 
I find that quite challenging yeah. and I um, just put my big girl pants on and be <laughs> as brave as I can. Yeah. And school has been fantastic with um, social support. Yep. They have been fantastic with nipping things in the bud, which they do not want to, you know, prosper at that school. They're just been fantastic that way so I guess I rely on um, good communication and you know putting boundaries up I don't want to know about every single thing that's happened all day Mm. I don't want phone calls to you think this might have happened you think that might have happened just email me just you know use the use the normal platforms and um, just good communication, I mm. think, has helped. But for pick-up, drop-off, um, allow the child to be themselves. You know, some kids are going to be there the, the three seconds after the bell goes. Some kids are going to be there five minutes later because they've got to talk to everyone <laughs> and then, you know, find all their stuff that's scattered around the room and be told to leave the classroom and, and you, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So just being flexible with that and just appreciating their strengths and weaknesses and just going with the flow yeah yeah and and i know for us we've in that school journey because the school day is kind of respite (laughs) you know for us with our kids and so as you say it's if we're just constantly getting then bombarded with what we know they're probably doing at school anyway it doesn't allow us to turn off Mm. and i think have a fresh start too um i've spoken to carers who do this much better than me but then every day is a fresh start and if every day you're trying to do that, but then you're getting told all day at school from the school teacher that it's not going well, it's really hard to try and have that fresh start perspective and give the kids, you know, okay, that was school time, now this is home time, let's let's start again. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want for our kids. Yeah. We've, uh, it's quite a few people, isn't it? When we talked about child safety yes. workers and um, we didn't even touch really on legal representation and you know the the things that come in on you know on the, I guess the case management side of things we talk you know teachers and and schools and all your various allied health professionals and support workers in and out of your home on a regular basis respite carers and obviously in all of that limited opportunities to then actually just uh, spend time with your own social uh, network it's a lot of people and it's a, mm. and it's a big challenge um, to, to manage. How could another, like an additional person support, somebody listening to this thinking, how can I support somebody in fostering who already has all these people around them? How could that person like support you in a way that really mattered? Mm-hmm. That is a great question. And I think, you know, really just a simple tray of cupcakes sometimes speaks <laughs> volumes. A really simple meal mm. is just such a huge blessing. Mm. Um, having someone drop in and just sit down and have a coffee with you is, is just beautiful. And... You know, any kind of interaction with humanity (laughs) that's outside of the fostering system is so appreciated and so welcome. And so I think just being connected with people and often people don't ring because they say, oh, she'll be too busy. I won't ring. Ring me. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not an island. I 
I'm a human being that needs relationships, and so that's really helpful when people don't stay away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. great, Rosie. And and then I guess in in all those interactions as well with all those different people is with your faith. How do you view that? Yeah, um, I think that it's an opportunity to share the gospel and conversations come up Mm. you know we get told what you sit at the dinner table for breakfast lunch and tea that's weird nobody (laughs) does that anymore don't you know you're all supposed to line up around the you know the couch Um, so they say oh that's really interesting that you do that as a family and that's just another avenue you know why do you do that And, Mm. and it's an opportunity to say well we're we're family we're a part of God's family and this is how we this is how we do relationship. Yeah. And so there's, you know, there's questions come in about why why we do things the way we do. And there's lots of comments from support workers to say, wow, I don't think families are like this. They're not this connected or they're not this caring. And then it's an opportunity to say, well, it's because of our God, because yeah. of how caring he is. Yeah. So it's a great way to share your faith. And I think you've got to look at it that way because... Otherwise, I if I'm not in a good place, I'm like, I just want them all to go away. Mm. You know, mm. I want to go and live on that desert island. Okay, can't do that. I'm back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just that fleeting thought. And that's maybe a signal for my body to go, you need a little rest. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's surprising that you pick a desert yeah. island. I'm just a deserted island, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what brings you back, the idea of being stuck in the desert. Um <laughs> Roseanne, it's been amazing. Um, just to finish, uh, your, your church community, your faith community, how have they responded to what you and Stephen have journeyed over the years and, and how has that looked for you as a family? Yeah, the, the church family have been fantastic. They've given us opportunity um, to speak on Stan Sunday about the fostering work being done in Hobart Fabulous and idea. through Fostering Hope, <laughs> which is great. Um, they come and ask us, uh, you know, quite regularly, you know, maybe two times a year, what can we do to help you? Mm, and that's a huge support, yeah. even, even if there is no help we're very appreciative that someone's asked they do help us by the way um they help us with some meals occasionally which Mm. is really lovely and more cupcakes i'm hearing more cupcakes (laughs) (laughs) glennis makes great cupcakes um we're just very appreciative of being able to let our children go out to um Sunday school which is kids on Sunday Mm. and be a part of that and just sit back and enjoy the sermon enjoy the fellowship Mm. and enjoy the presence of God Mm. um, and not worry about what the kids are doing out there and who's (laughs) what mischief they're getting up to that's a huge blessing in itself just to have that availability Mm. and that option because it would be easily um to be like you know your kid doesn't listen or they don't sit down they can't come out here Mm. so we're really we're really happy that that's an option Mm. for our kids and just that inclusiveness and just that wider group of people to help out um with anything that the kids are doing on any given Sunday Mm. just to help out and be an extra pair of hands and an extra pair of eyes on the kids, which is great. 
Yeah. And it's extra caring adults yes. you know, as part of their life, which is fantastic. Yeah, so. really great role models and just that broader community and, you know, um, having fellowship with them, having teas with them, yeah. having visits with at, at their houses. And it's just the kids can see a wider, a wider um, worldview. Yeah. Mm. That's great. Well, Roseanne, been amazing. Thank you. And for, I guess, letting us into a little bit of your life and the extended church that that is with all the people that that come and go on a daily basis and the challenges that you face. We really appreciate you being part of the Faith and Fostering podcast. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Roseanne. We hope you enjoyed that discussion from guest hosts, Alan Mary. Our regular hosts will be back again with you next week. And in the meantime, let's remember... Every child deserves a family.